welcome to the Diabolical Film Show, a podcast about old films, new films, and the people who make them. My name is Ash, and with me, I have my old mate, Richie. Hello, mate. Hello. Love is in the air, in every word and every sound. Oh, yeah. It's Valentine's time, Valentine's baby. Day, baby. So, yeah, well, we've picked a doozy well, of a love story, haven't we? We have. We have. It's... It's a film that fits our our tastes and sensibilities down to a T. Yeah, we did. We did uh, the last year. What was it? We did the Julia Roberts stuff, didn't we? Last year, we did. We, we like a little bit of Julia Roberts. Um, she was great in those kind of rom coms. Yeah. Mm. So we've gone. We've gone. Well, we've used true romance in the true sense of the oh, of the word. So we did that. Oh, genius, eh? So true romance. Yeah. True Romance. A film that came out in 1993. Certainly did. Written by Quentin Tarantino. Directed, this time, by Tully Scott, though, which is old Ridders. Ridders Scott, Ridley Scott's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, no longer with... Well, Ridley Scott's with us, but Tully Scott's no longer with us, unfortunately, but we might come on to that later on. Very sad. Very sad indeed, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the film, what's about? Boy meets girl... Boy kills girl's pimp, steals some coke, and goes on the run trying to sell it. Whilst being chased by... By bad guys. Um, I mean, that's kind of it, isn't it? Yeah, and with lots of um, shenanigans. Hilarity does actually ensue. It does indeed. So, a little bit more detail. For those of you that don't know what True Romance is actually about, so Christian Slater is Clarence Worley, Patricia Arquette is Alabama Whitman, and Alabama meets... Clarence in a movie theatre uh, with a Sonny Chiba um, triple bill. <laughs> triple bill kung fu marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, Sonny Chiba was, was a kung fu dude back back in the day. And um, well, probably might be still going, as far as I'm aware. I do not know. I've not checked that fact. But he, he's, he's a geek. He's a, he's a nerd. He works in a comic book shop. He has the same chat-up line. He, he loves Elvis. He's a big Elvis fan. And he actually has a mentor that keeps appearing, doesn't he, in, in the background, guiding him through life. He does. Which suspiciously looks like and, yet and sounds isn't like Elvis. 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 Because essentially, yeah, because essentially in the in the film, in this yeah. film, they try to get Bizarre. the rights to use Elvis. They want to use Elvis songs in the film as well. But the Elvis estate says, no, we're not going to let you do that. You're not going to use his material and you can't use his likeness. So Val Kilmer plays the mentor. Val Kilmer plays he does. Elvis, technically. Yeah. Uh, and you see him in the background. You don't see his face because they didn't want that. They didn't want to give a likeness no. away. They don't hear any of his music, but they don't. He does talk like this. Uh huh. Hi, very much. I love you. I love you, Mr. Worley. Tony Scott did approach Val and said, "Look, we're going to film this, but we're going to film it without showing your face." And then once he explained the reason why, Val went, "Yeah, okay, fine. I'm on board. I'm good. I'm." I'm cool. See, I, I I watched this film with my partner, right? And I, and she's a big Val Kilmer fan. So when I said Val Kilmer was in it, she was like watching it. She watched it, and the first time he appears in the background, because you hear him singing, don't you? I can't remember what he's singing now. He's he's doing something in the background, mm. and she goes, "That's Val Kilmer." And I went, "How the how the <laughs> fuck can you? How did you know that's Val? Because you can't see him. He's in blurry background. You, you, that's how you kind of see him throughout the film. And I said, "How do you know?" He says. Because he sang a similar song in Top Secret in the style of Elvis. And that's how she recognised his voice, as that, ah, doing an impression yes. of Elvis. Yes. I was like, 
Oh my god, I, I doff my cap that to you. That was a proper anorak moment there. That was an anorak moment, yeah. So anyway, Alabama Alabama is be, meets Clarence in this Sonny Chiba um, triple bill in, in the... And she'd been paid by Christian Slater's boss to be there because he's a bit of a sad loser and he could do with cheering up. And she's a call girl. She's been a call girl for four days. Anyway, they fall in love. Instant love. Love at first sight. Yeah, it's true um, romance. It's a true romance. Even after when she admits why she's there and she, he's been paid and he says, no, it's the best time of my life. Next day, they get married. Oh, it really <laughs> is a true romance. It is. It is. But- he he can't get over the fact that she used to be a hooker. Well, can't get over the fact that her mm. pimp is a bit of a nasty guy. It troubles him. It does trouble doesn't him. Doesn't it? Troubles him. It, well, well, I'm going to talk about a bit about the the making of this, and I'll explain why it troubles him and why he take. He's got a, a bit of a dark streak in him. Not against Alabama. Not against Patricia Arquette. But he's got a dark streak kind of running through him a little bit. He's very protective. I think he's but got in a, moral, in a nice a moral, way. A moral fiber, a moral standing. That's like. Mount Everest high. Yeah. And so he goes to kill, essentially, Gary Oldman, who is Drexel Spivey, who is possibly... I mean, let's be honest. This film is full of stars, isn't it? Every scene has got a name in it. Everybody mm. is in this film. Yeah. I'm going re- to very, very quickly run through this. And you just think I'm reading the star's phone book. But you, So you've got <laughs> Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Kitt, Christopher Walken. You've got Bronson Pinchot, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Rappaport. You've got James Gandolfini. You've got Chris Penn, Tom Sizemore. I mean, the thing is, it goes on. There's yeah. more than that. But, I mean, come on. Every single scene has got a star in it. And the thing is, they're not in it very long. It is a fleeting, a lot of them are fleeting and they're gone. It's cameo central. It is. But they all add something to it and make and make it better. The Drexel scene with um, Gary Oldman. You've never any, seen anything like it, have you? No. Any film would want, would kill to have that scene as its finale. And it's here, it's 20 minutes in. It's an amuse-bouche. <laughs> it's just a, a, it's, a it's just a throwaway. <laughs> oh yeah, we've got Gary Oldman as some some guy pretending he he's a black guy, but he's white, and he's a bit of a fucking psycho. A bit of a psycho. He's a you bit know, of a psycho. That scene is amazing, and any other film would kill to have that as its finale. Yeah, There's not fin- one one actor in this a finale. A finale. There's a not finale. one actor in this who. <laughs> who phones it in they no. act their fucking socks off some of them are kind of in the not the beginning of their career we're going to talk about it a little bit because you got brad pitt gary Oldman, and samuel L. jackson samuel L. jackson this is probably the fastest cameo you're ever going to see him in yeah. but he had done stuff before he, he was becoming mm-hmm. to be a known actor but anyway so he goes to kill him um picks up her stuff essentially he kills him um, thinking it's a bunch of built bunch of clothes and gets it back to his place, opens up the big case of her clothes, and it turns out to be half a million pounds or half a million dollars worth of coke, essentially. Full of drugs. So then he takes himself off to L.A. uh, with a little bit of a detour to his dad, Dennis Hopper, goes to L.A. to sell the coke, and as Richie would say... Hilarity ensues. And yes, it does. Um, All sorts of shenanigans happen all along oh, the way God, yeah. it, I, it is absolutely fantastic but before we go into the film itself and talk about the various bits i've got a bit i've got a bit mate i've done a bit of research a bit of research really about 
about how this got made. And it's a little bit of an interesting story, really. So essentially, um, back in 1984, so this was this was 1993. So we're talking mm-hmm. a, a good few years before. Back in okay. 90, 1984, right? Um, he, Quentin Tarantino was working in the video shop. We know this, okay? He was work, um, oh, yeah. it's, it's famous now. It's, it's common knowledge, isn't it? It's it- common knowledge, yeah. So he, he'd written a number of different scripts. And in, one of the scripts was called My Best Friend's Wedding. And this is where some of this true romance actually came from. Bits... Bits of true romance actually came from this short that he did, this film right. that he shot. And it was shot in 16mm film um, in 1987. Um, and he had written, written with Craig Hammond, okay. And then what happened is he had Clarence was in it. And there the was like, the call girl was in it as a birthday present. So, you know, bit, mm. you can see the... The, the yeah, seeds, the, the seedlings. The makings of, the, of it. The, the yeah, makings of it the was The framework. There. Yeah. And the, the thing with this, though, only 70% of the movie got shot. You know, money issues and all that sort of business. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it was a full film, but uh, 70% of it got shot. But there's now only 36 minutes of it left because the rest of it got burnt in a fire at the lab where the film was getting processed. Oh. So God. what a complete waste. So off the back of that, however, yeah. he wrote a number of scripts. He wrote True Romance. He wrote a little film called Reservoir Dogs. Mm. He wrote a little film called Natural Born Killers and another little film called Dust Till Dawn. So obviously these were treated later on and what have you, and and they were dealt with, but True Romance and... um, Reservoir Dogs. Thank you, yeah, Reservoir Dogs found their way to Tony Scott, who who read them back to back. He hadn't read anything like yeah, this. Yeah, he, he said he's normally a slow reader, but he absolutely flew through these. Yeah, he says he'd not seen any, any writing like this. Mm. It was snappy dialogue. It was kind of lots of pop refer- um, pop culture references going on and, and all of that, and he, and he hadn't seen that. And he, he thought they were absolutely fantastic, and he wanted, he wanted to direct them both. But before that, they were, trying to, they were trying to get it off the ground for four years. Before Tony got there, um, like I know him, uh, me, and my <laughs> mate, me and my mate Tone, trying to get the thing off the ground for four years, couldn't get the funding. Then um, Stanley Margolos came along, like this inexperienced producer, and with the idea of getting two point seven million to get the script off the off the ground. And two point seven million those times, it's not not it's not a bad amount of money, you know. But and he even the producer even mortgaged his house. Yeah, you hear this a lot, don't you, mate? You hear about producers or directors if there's director producers mortgaging their house to raise the money because you well, can't get yeah, the money. And- or somehow the actual star in themselves will, you know, just say, look, producers, give them the money. Sean Connery famously did it with um, In The Rock with Michael oh, Bay. Yeah. He needed some extra money for, uh, I think it was the scene at the end where the where Alcatraz blows up and they'd run out of money. And uh, Michael Bay was in the producer's office and he says, look, I need the money, I need the money. And Sean Connery just walked in, give him the money. And he got the money. I bet he made his money back. I bet he got a, ni- <laughs> I bet he got a nice percentage off the end of that. Anyway. So where were we? Yeah, so, so before, like I say, Tony Scott there, we had this producer trying to raise $2.7 million. So they brought Scott Spiegel on board. Do you know who Scott Spiegel is as a first director? No. He'd done Maniac Cop. Oh! You've heard it. You've heard it. It's like a... Maniac Cop. It's like a horror slasher it's horror a film. a zombie cop, isn't it? Yeah, from back in the 80s. And they brought... And it, Quinton quite liked him. He quite quite liked him. But he, he fell out of favour with him because he wanted to change the end. The original ending to True Romance is a lot more downbeat than the ending that you get here. 
and he didn't feel, um, Scott Spiel didn't feel that it was going to go in the audience. He said, oh, we need the Hollywood ending, we need the happy ending. And so he kind of fell out of favour, and that's when Tony Scott came on board. And with Tony Scott, you get Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers upped the money to 13 million, so they gave him 13 million to make the film. 13 and a half. 13 and a half million, is it? Scott, okay. Yeah, that, that's I what... I stand um, corrected. That's what Tony Scott said. And uh, he says he got, uh, considering the talent that, that you read out there and the talent that's on screen, they, he got it for scale. Everyone got scale. They believed in it that much. The only two who got a little bit more was Christian Slater and um, Patricia, Patricia Arquette, Arquette. Obviously, because they're in it more. Yeah. But yeah, everybody yeah. else took scale. This is, do you know what? This is also five million more than they got to make Pulp Fiction. And that's a few years later. It's fucking amazing, isn't it? Really. When you look at it like that. It really, then, it really when, is. When you do look at it like, yeah, that was his first, that was his first directing gig. But Harvey Keitel had a lot to do with getting the money in for that. If he'd not got Harvey Cartel on board, he would not have got all that money. No. Well... You know, but, you know, potato, potato, he did. He did, and eventually he came through with Tony Scott. Now, Tony Scott also changed the end. He did. And there was a there was a big debate, wasn't there, between yeah. uh, Tarantino, because Tarantino does not like his scripts being fucked with. But Tony Scott says, look, I am, I'm making this film. I, I've made this film. And he filmed both endings. He filmed the bad ending, yeah. um, the sad ending, and he filmed the good, um, the happy ending. And he Have says, you the seen thing the is, bad ending? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. yeah. Mm. And the thing is, he said, I love the characters. I love Clarence Worley and Alabama Whitman, and I wanted them to live. I wanted them to make it because I'd fallen in love with them. I absolutely adored them. And I think, and I think in the film that, we see on screen from Tony Scott. I'm going to say it now, and I'll probably say it again later on. This is not a gangster film as such. There's, there's gangstery people in it. But to mm. me, the more I watch this, and I've watched it a number of times now, it comes over as a fairy tale. This is a gangster fairy tale. Now, I think if Quentin Tarantino would directed it, you'd have got a gangster film. You'd have got another ver- another Reservoir yeah. Dogs, another Pulp Fiction. You got that sort of wisecracking, that sort of thing. But this, this is like a trippy... I mean, they fall in love at first sight, they get married the next day, yeah. and there's a scene at the end which really sells it to me. And my partner, she said, he says, there's a bit with a massive shootout. This is the big shootout at the end. There's fucking... Fe- it's, in, it's in a hotel room. There's feathers fucking flying everywhere. It it looks like you've emptied about seven tonne of feathers into the fucking set. Mm. They're floating and flying everywhere. They're even wading through the fuckers. But again, it, I think it sells it as a fairy tale because I, they're all floating around. It's, it's a that, bit like... It reminds me of Legend. You know, it's that floaty shit um, all around Legend. floaty shit. Well, it it's artistic license, isn't it? You know, you've... you've it's a film, for God's sake. You've got to have... I mean, you, you, you could argue in that scene where they have the shootout, Christian Slater's having a piss. Are you not telling me that he didn't hear... All the fucking all shouting. The shoot? No. You know, and Tony Scott says that in the commentary. You know, is it? but you've got to have a little bit of artistic licence in insofar as Christian Slater's in his own little world with his mentor. Mentor's talking to him, isn't he, and at he's, point, yeah. And he's not paying attention. Artistic licence, you know? You've, you've just yeah. got to roll... With it, yeah. don't go looking for shit that ain't there. Just let it, let it wash over you. It's a good film. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a it's a cracker <laughs> film, and I think it's made better by the fact that they turned it into this fairy tale. It's not just another gangster. Mm. I feel if Quentin Tarantino had made this, it would just be one of his lesser films. I think it'd be although Jackie Brown's quite loved now because of the. Pam Greer's performance, things like that. It's not up there with Reservoir Dogs and Pulp mm. Fiction and Django more recently and things like that. It's 
it, it'll be one of the lesser films. But I think what Tony Scott did, he's turned it into a different beast. And when Quentin Tarantino watched it and he saw the ending that he used, he says, do you know what? I 100% agree. Yeah. The yeah. film you've met, because I, I, I saw this, I haven't listened to the commentaries like you have, but I, mm. I, I saw the commentary on the on the ending scene. He says, you have you have 100% earned the fact that I want them two to live now because they're so yeah. lovely together, especially Patricia Arquette. What a well, fucking Tony performance, Scott, man. Throughout the commentary, Tony Scott's like, she's cool. I think he was smitten by her. I really do. And let's face it, who isn't? Because she's, yeah. she's lovely. She's stunning. She's yeah, gorgeous. She, she's loveliness. She's, yeah. she's, she's ditzy. She's kind of lovable. She's goofy. And then, but she's got an iron core inside her that mm. that, that rises up. That the scenes as they develop in in this scene, there's a scene between um, Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Um, <laughs> has he just walked in? <laughs> no, um, no, okay. No. <laughs> um, no. And they, they come to him for some help, Christian Slater and Patricia Rocket. Um, Dennis Hopper plays Christian Slater's dad in this. And then they disappear. They go, they go off. They get the help and they disappear. But um, Christopher Walker turns up looking for the coke. He's, he's the mm. counsel to this big gangster who you never see. Blue Lou Boyle, isn't it? Blue Lou Boyle, yeah. And he and Christopher Walken plays Vincenzo Cocotti. You've never seen such a pure personification of evil <laughs> as in the face of the man who killed you. Um, that speech that he gives... He's just setting the scene. Yeah. But the the acting that you get from Walken and Hopper in that scene, it just says everything without saying everything. The Yeah. The the speech that Quentin Tarantino wrote for both Walken and Hopper in that scene, it's it's basically saying yeah. Everything without saying anything. It's one of his best speeches, I think. It's absolutely and it's, nuanced. It's it's given an extra dimension with the the caliber of performers that you've got there. The you look know, in Dennis Hopper's eyes when you, there's a point where he realizes, yeah. I'm dead. I'm, yeah. Regardless of what I do here, I'm dead. It's a look. And then he goes he goes off on a story, and it's just fucking phenomenal. And there's another scene later on, just to show how good everybody is in this with Patricia Arquette, where again she comes up against a very similar scene. She comes up against James Gandolfini, who plays one of the hitmen in in the film, one of the gangsters in the film, and um, before his Tony Soprano days, his performance in that, where he's talking about. The first person he killed is really yeah. difficult. The second one, and then after that, I just do it to you know to see the expressions change. Yeah, but he walks up to her and he gets her to take off her glasses, and she's all cocky at that point, trying to kind of, you know, you've got the wrong person. You've it's not me. To placate him, isn't it? It's, yeah, to placate him, like, to yeah, try, try and work your way out of it. And then but, you take off mm. her glasses and the look in her eyes of pure terror yeah. and, and sadness. It's just so good. And I think sometimes with this film, because it moves so quickly, I don't think you can you spot some of this stuff as you go through the first time because it's like bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. You need to watch it once and then you need to go back and watch it again. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And this time, you take it in more. You, you, you take in the nuances. You, you take in what's going on, what the characters are doing, what they're saying. Yeah, you are right. It, it, it is like a, a machine. Boom, 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 boom. 
it doesn't let up. But once you know what's going to happen, you pay attention to what is happening. Yeah. You see levels. The kicking that James Gandolfini gives Patricia Arquette is fucking legend. Yeah. He gives her a beating and a half. And in the commentary, and I think it was um, Tony Scott who says it, there's a bit in it where the tables turn and Patricia fights back and she picks up the lid of a toilet system and smacks him on the head with it and it doesn't break. Doesn't break. It doesn't I, I, break. I've always noticed that in that scene. Yeah, yeah. and that's that was a that's a thing of in all the other films. Oh yeah, they broke. They go to a bathroom and it yeah. always breaks. Things always break. He said, "No, those things are fucking heavy. They don't break." And she smacks him with it, and it doesn't break. And it's like you know, because it didn't break. That's fucking hurt. You're not going to walk that fucker off. Yeah, and she takes she takes an absolute yeah kicking it, it is quite a strong scene it is she gets the sh- shit kicked out of her yeah and then there's there's a bit where she kind of stands up to him she grabs this corkscrew doesn't she and she's there it's like her last fucking yeah. effort she knows he's, he's gonna kill he's gonna shoot her at this point yeah he's, he's gonna and then he says i'll give you one shot because he just says you've got a lot of guts girl don't you? you've got a lot of guts and he gives what and then, he, then she starts to fight back essentially yeah and it's her last desperate effort and she just manages just manages to get the upper hand and then it, it kind of escalates upwards and then the ecstasy from her at the end of that scene of having survived essentially yeah for the love for the love of Christian Slater uh, uh, Clarence Worley in, in, that, early that in the film scene, the, the end scene where she's triumphant for want of a better word over James Gandolfini it got cut by the MPAA they had a, an issue with it with the violence in the scene well with her being triumphant and like ah she, she was too <laughs> animalistic oh come they've so, clearly missed the fucking point they've clearly missed the point of the scene the, the scene so they didn't have an, he's a big hulking fucking yeah guy. you would be you'd either collapse on the floor the, oh my fucking of god exhaustion. Or, of exhaustion but your adrenaline will be fucking flying through you yeah and that's what I don't understand they didn't have a problem with her getting the shit kicked out of her because she literally is battered to bollocks yeah, she, she really is, yeah. is it's a strong scene it, it is I remember watching it the first time. I mean, you've, you've, we've seen a lot of films these days where it happens, and sadly. Obviously, you've got, like, ice bits on your grave and you've got fucking uh, martyrs, for fuck's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ yeah. Almighty. There, there's, there's a scene where a woman gets beaten up badly. I mean, we both, the first, first time you watch Martyrs, um, you're watching that scene and you think, why the yeah. fuck am I watching why, this? If you're not questioning yeah. yourself why you're watching it, then... There's Why summits. there better be a fucking point to this? Yeah, there turns out there is, there is, and it's actually a very good film. But in this, again, at the time, it was like fucking. This is fucking yeah. strong. How far this are you going to go? This is going on a little bit longer than what you you know. And, and you really love the character of Alabama, and you you just think mm. they're going to kill her. They're actually going to kill her here, and it's it's just a fantastic performance from both of them. And she doesn't. She doesn't give up. No. She stays true to her love for Christian Slater. Because she wants she wants the life with Christian Slater. They have yeah. to sell the Coke to get the life. Yeah. And if they don't if they just gave up the Coke, well she's gonna die for no reason. So she's mm-hmm. gonna fight she's gonna fight for that life. And Christian Slater comes comes back in. You know, Christian Slater was um Tony Scott when when they were prepping for the film. To get into character, he asked Christian Slater to watch Taxi Driver. All right. Yeah, Taxi Driver of all films. <laughs> to get in because there's a, like I said there's a dark side to him. No, there's a dark side to well, that to that 
character. Even though, to, I mean, Taxi Driver is a fucking psychopath. But in this, he's not. He's not a psychopath. He's very protective, but in a nice way. He, do, mm. he does. He's not overbearing or anything like that with her. Um, he just wants to see right. He's got a, a sense of he wants to just do best by her. I think. I remember when Christian Slater first started when he first burst out onto the scene. Uh, a film called Heather's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were liking him to a, a young Jack Nicholson. And in this film, in certain bits, you can see it. You can see facial expression. You can see yeah, a yeah. young Jack Nicholson there. And it's, oh, fucking hell, yeah. Oh. He's, he's definitely got a look about him. He has. Yeah. I mean, I, I have actually seen Christian Slater on the stage. Oh. Oh, yes. I went to London to see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And guess who was playing the Jack Nicholson part? Mr. Blobby. <laughs> Blobby? Uh, yeah, Christian Slater. Wow. I was like, yeah. So it's you know, I think you know. Yeah, and he he, he fit the part perfectly. Mm. You know, he was great in the part. Um, it was it was very very good indeed. Yeah, it's it's just it's just uh, there's just a, such a lot to love about this film. Where would you rank it in Tarantino? Now Tarantino Ooh. didn't direct it, admittedly. So let's talk. Let's take that element away from the this because because he didn't direct it and this wouldn't be you this is not the film you'd get from Quentin Tarantino had he had directed it. No. But in part as part let's talk about scripts. Where does it fall in in Quentin Tarantino's scripts then, do you reckon? Um it's well obviously behind Pulp Fiction. I think you can see because of how it just just purely how it chops and changes. How you see you're with Christian and Patricia, and then it'll jump ahead slightly to introduce like Gary Oldman. It'll it jumps ahead, and you see a little bit of Gary Oldman. Then it jumps back to them, and then it goes back to get to Gary Oldman with Christian Slater. And it it seems to do that where it introduces a character, and then you go back to them, which is a bit like. A bit pulpy fictiony, but without the drastic leaps. Well, the original script to this was like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. It, it was it was out it was out of the timeline wasn't wasn't linear like it is in the Tony Scott film. Mm. It did jump around, and I, I have actually got this, the the um, script downstairs actually to True Romance. It came it came I think it came free with an Empire magazine back in the day. It did jump around, but Tony Scott didn't want to do that for whatever yeah. reason. I don't know why. I don't think we were ready for that. I don't think. We were ready for jumping around. Well, we do it. See, now Quentin Tarantino had gone away and made Reservoir Dogs, um, and now that's a story we'll probably come to at some point as well. So he had he done the jumping around thing because Reservoir Dogs jumped around, and then mm. Pulp Fiction jumped around. This was one of the scripts that jumped around. It sounds like a song. Jump around, everybody. Oh, man. So I don't know, but where do you think it is? It the best. Is it below? So you say Pulp Fiction's up there as number one. I think Pulp Fiction's better. I think that's his best. It's more polished in places. Well, he won the Oscar for the fucking screenplay, for God's sake. <laughs> this is true. This you is know. true, yeah. But I also think Pulp <laughs> so, Fiction's too long. I actually think I, I would, wouldn't normally say this. I think the uh, Christopher Walken scene is not needed in that film. It drags. It slows the film down. It's a long monologue. It's a great monologue. It's delivered. It's delivered spot on. I don't care. I think I. I, I think it's 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 brilliant. This is before he was known as you know wordy bollocks. <laughs> as you put and it, I think we got a bit a bit tired of wordy bollocks. We know he can write. We know he can shoot films. He's he's a he's a cracking director. Yeah, 
but the, there's a time when you like you know just don't bore us get to the chorus you know fucking <laughs> but i see you know i think I mean? there's there is too much Move of that on. a little bit in pulp fiction in this that with true romance right it's a it's a is it a two-hour film it's just under two hours just under two hours it feels like yeah. an hour and a half yeah, it it motors along. It does not let up. Now that is also down to Tony Scott, but Tony Scott did not change much what was on the page. Apart from the ending, he didn't change what was on the page. It was pretty much as as was as far as I am aware. Is that right? Yeah, there, there was there was a couple of ad libs. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Yeah. When when they go and uh, when they leave it, and he, he he asks for some cleaning products. That's an ad lib, and. Two words in the Christopher Walken scene and what's names? Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. The cantaloupe and eggplant. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those two words, they're ad-libbed. All right, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, everything else is... Well, we're not going to go into that speech. We'll leave you to watch the film and just yeah. revel in that speech oh, that they both give. Yeah. That they both give is, yeah. is phenomenal. That is, I think, some of his best writing because mm. it's saying stuff without saying stuff. It's not. It's it's off topic, um, but it means more than it's yeah. the actual words. Yeah, there's layers. There's there. layers. Yeah, thank you, Richie. Yeah, there's layers yeah, there. Th- there is I think, layers. But the thing is, you got Brad Pitt and you got Samuel L. Jackson, who was in it literally for two minutes. Two minutes, Samuel L. Jackson was, and Samuel L. Jackson had done stuff before Jurassic Park, Menace to Society, Patriot Games. I mean, he was in stuff and Ju- Juice as well. Juice was a big film back in '92. Jungle Fever, actually, as well. He was yeah, in Jungle he'd Fever. Been around. Yeah, he'd, he'd been around. He's he was also in goodfellas i don't remember him in goodfellas i, no. I think we'll need to rewatch that at some point I mm. oh yeah there he is um but yeah he's in goodfellas i mean gary oldman gary oldman had been in like bram stoker's dracula jfk henry and I've june got a problem with him i've got a problem with gary oldman oh go on he's too damn good he's fucking awesome he is he is, he is an absolute fucking chameleon he is a shape-shifting mofo. That's that's what my partner called him. Actually, a chameleon, and he really is. And but again, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? In this film, we've gone through all the movie stars, right? The big stars in this film. But do you see them as those actors, or do you see them as the people that they're portraying in this film? Oh yeah, the characters. All of them, even Christopher, yeah. down to Christopher Walken, who a lot of the time, yeah. let's be honest, he plays Christopher Walken. But he's he's doing that in this film, but he's doing it with layers. Dennis Hopper, my God, mm. it's such a heartbreaking performance. It's so yeah. good. And you believe the characters. I can watch a lot of other films, yeah. and you're watching a movie star playing a character, and you, you, you care. But in this one, you give a shit. You care. You care about every single one of them. You know, you care. When Gary Oldman gets fucking murdered, because he, he's a nasty guy, he, he is he's a fo- bad guy. He's, fo- he's phenomenal in this. That's, that scene is is fucking brilliant. Yeah, his his just his reaction and the way he's just oh, yeah. It's the swing in that light, the music in the background, everything comes together. And it is the tension. We haven't, spoke, is going we haven't spoke about the music, yet, have we? But yeah, the tension, the tension it builds, yeah, ratches up, up. and up. And up, and the shooter, even the shootout at the end, he just ratchets up and ratchets it up, and because he's got layers going on there as well. But that's down to Tony Scott. You got to give Tony Scott that. Is it me, or is there like for people's first writing, you know, uh, first writing films and what have you? They always have a Mexican standoff. Okay, Guy Ritchie, Lockstock, 
standoff. Yeah. Snatch, standoff. This one, standoff. I think, is it like, is it cheap? Is it a cheap thing to... Desperado. Reservoir Dogs. Orchestrate, yeah. There's always a Mexican standoff. But is it again, like- it's, they're not easy to shoot, though, are they? To keep the tension up, and mm-hmm. let's be honest, like I say, you've got multiple people in the room, you've got multiple angles, that you, and you can't lose the audience, you know, can't cross the line, um, you can't lose the audience to, to what's going on in the scene, but you still want to ratchet up that tension. I think it's just... it's. You, you've got everybody at the top of their game here, I think. Again, we've, oh, God, yeah. we've, we've said this before about some films, but Quentin Tarantino, before he got too wordy bollocks, as Richie put it, um, and, too, didn't think, and didn't get too full of himself, this is one, I think this is one of his best scripts. Tony Scott, this, I, could, I could probably say this is, could be his best film, Tony Scott. Tarantino, he, he said about Tony Scott, it was revenge is his, like, you did revenge. It is awesome, and he was he championed Tony Scott when the majority of people would go the Ridley, you know, Ridley, Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator. Oh, Tony Scott, he's more your popcorn friend. He's the popcorn guy. You want something popcorny in a cinema? Tony Scott's your, your man. Yeah, Last Boy Scout, Crimson Tide. Fantastic. Yeah, both fantastic films yet again. Beverly Hills yeah. Cop Two, popcorny. Yay! If you want. Heavier stuff with layers, layers and layers and layers. Part of Prometheus, in it. You know what I mean? They are two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very different filmmakers. The, yeah. The, the oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very yeah. Different. Very, very different. Very different filmmakers, um, without a shadow of a doubt. And, and that's no bad thing either. Although they do sound very similar when they talk. They do. It's, <laughs> it's, Weirdly, it's spooky <laughs> when you yeah. l- listen to him on the uh, commentary. It's like, my god, it's. That's really you cl- close your eyes. It's like really Scott, but but you know it isn't, and it's, it's not. It's not. It's old. It's very isn't it? sad that it isn't. You know, yeah, that, he's, yeah. that he's that he's not. He's not still here. What's it not? Oh yeah, another thing that he that Tony says on his thing. He had a thing called the Persuader. Now this I found a bit dark when he was talking about this, and it was um, Patricia Arquette. So, you know, I'm not getting the emotions, so I want you to hit me. Patricia Arquette said this. Yes. Oh, okay. So Tony Scott slaps her. There's at least twice two scenes. Uh, the first one, they're at the um, that billboard at the start. Oh yeah, where she, where she's, yeah, where she's admitting that it was a set. Well, not a setup. Where she's admitting she's been paid to be with yeah. him, but she actually does love him. And it's she wasn't getting the emotion, so it was like, yeah, slap me. Wow. Yeah, and then the next one. Is the um, well? I'm going to say it's James Gandolfini. Yeah. It must be the James Gandolfini scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. He's saying this, and I was like, you know, ten minutes earlier, you were saying how she's gorgeous and this, and then you're like, but then she would ask for it. She, she would say, yeah, I'm not hitting the mark. I need the persuader. Wow. Not sure you get away with that these days. Anyway, yeah. She's given her permission to do it. I suppose you know you can't. There must have been another way, surely to God. But anyway. But her performance, it shows on screen, though, regardless of how they got there. Yeah. Um, it shows on screen. Um, I mean, I just can't say enough about the performances in this. The layers of the performances in this are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, do, do, I, do I hear a, a couple of trivia? Trivia, trivia nuggets. Trivia, a bit of trivia nuggets then. You were talking about um, Gary Oldman. So Gary Oldman in this, uh, he, he's playing essentially a white guy pretending he's black. 
or thinking he's black. He's from that kind yeah. of culture, yeah. And he's got dreads. He's got dreadlocks and stuff like that. Well, the person who created the dreadlocks um, for the film is the same person who created the wig for him in Dracula. It's the same person. And another slight Dracula link. In this, he's scarred up, and he? he's got a lot of scars down one side yeah, of his yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. got, like, a white eye. He's blind in one eye. Mm. It's the same contact he wore in Dracula. It's his Dracula contact. <laughs> there you go. A little bit of trivia for on for Gary Oldman. See, yeah. you, you know, if I were an actor and I'm in a film with Gary Oldman and I'm sharing a scene with Gary Oldman, I'll be like, yeah, he, he just chews the scenery up. He does. You know, I mean, I dare say a lot of the kids, kids, people, would like remember him from <laughs> Sirius Black, innit? That, that's where they're going to go, Sirius Black and Batman. Well, it, oh, there's kids. The kids, you know, kids when they came out, weren't it? You know, but he's he's done a lot more. He's done yeah, a hell yeah. of a lot more. And you could do a lot worse than just go back. Find this on the streaming services, wherever it is, or if you're lucky enough to pick a, a copy up for a couple of quid, watch it because it is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, you can you can get it really cheap these days. A couple of quid off eBay, two or three quid off eBay, and it's it's more than worth it as well. It's really, really interesting. Another person that's in this we haven't mentioned yet, Jack Black. Did you know that? Where? Rich. Well, exactly. His scene was cut. So Jack Black played a... <laughs> He played an usher. He played an usher with a with a dog to get people out of the audience and the Sonny Chiba. Um, Jack Black had done a, a, f- a couple of films. I think, what was the other one that he was in that he got cut from? I can't remember now. But again, he kept getting cut from films in his early career. He wasn't the Jack Black we know now, I hasten to add. He was trying to, you know, make a go of it as an actor. But mm. well, I know he's an actor now, but he's more than that. He's Jack Black nowadays. He's, well, yeah, that's he's a brand. He is a brand. And he's a brand, so, isn't he? He's, he's up is, there um, with the chin. He's up there with the chin, yeah, he's you're right. He's up there with Bruce Campbell. The but chin. he's part of the D, man. He's part of the D. The D, yeah. You can't go wrong with a bit of tenacious D with Kyle, indeed, Kyle. yeah. So, Richie, you're saying, what we're saying here is go out and buy it. Oh, hell yeah. Find it on the streams, if you can find it on the streams. I, I don't think it's out there at the moment. Again, it comes back to this owning the media, doesn't it? Because you can't oh, get the fucking films. People, you've got to go out there, you've got to own your media. You've got to go out there. I know we all signed off with videos, and then we went to DVDs, and then we've gone to streaming. Blu-rays, streaming. Yeah, you've got to go back to owning the media, because at some point, they're going to Turn that tap off, and you're not going to get to see your films. No, you've got to. You've got to do it, people. And you've got to do it for this one thing. There's a scene in it where they do a drug deal over. Oh, it kind of on a roller coaster, right? <laughs> and the the two people, the two people in this in this scene, right, is Bronson Pinshot, and you'll know him when you see him. Okay, he's so. he's the um, oh Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, he's in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, Ahmed Mike- Ahmed Foley. He- <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah. And Michael Rappaport as well. Again, you'll know, you'll know who he yeah, is. Yeah, he, he's a hell. Of, he's a solid character actor. That guy. He's he's great. Again, he's absolutely solid. fantastic in this. Pinnershot has vertigo, and Michael Rappaport has motion sickness. Yeah, he doesn't do roller coasters, didn't he? He doesn't do roller coasters. And the thing is, right. If you look in the... Because they're in the second seat back. Because in the first seat, you've got Christian Slater. Oh, in fact, in the first seat, it's Christian Slater and Pinnershot. Yeah. And in the rear seat, it's Rappaport and, and um, um, Patricia, Patricia Arquette. And, and Rappaport, apparently, on the second... Because they had to film this over two days. They had to do it five times. You had to go on this on this um, fucking roller coaster. So they weren't happy. So on the second day, Michael Rappaport took some... Didn't they give him pills? Some medication to make him, to make him feel happier. 
And you'll see him on the first... In the first... You can tell the two shots. Because on the first day, you can see he's white. And he's scared mm. shitless in the background. And on the second day, he's laughing and joking and happy. It's, it's like... <laughs> just for that one little snippet, I find that quite amusing. So these poor bastards have to go on the roller coaster five times mm. to get the shots. But still, you know, that aside, uh, absolutely fantastic film. So we're, we're going to say, buy it. What did the voices say about this, Richie? The voices, right. Because I when it came out, because when it came out, it didn't make a lot of money. It cost no. 12 and a half, didn't it? 12 and a half million to make. Um, 13 and a half million to make. Um, I don't know what it, what the revenue is. It made about point. Point one of a million above what it cost. Yeah. So it, it only scraped through. It was it was deemed too well too. It just didn't like it at the time. But since then, yeah. since then, it's been it's been hailed as a bit of a cult classic now. To be quite frank, well, yeah, because and it I, is. Because I think it is, yeah, yeah. And I think the scores now. I would. I think IMDb. They give it seven point nine. I think that's a tad low. I I'd give I, it at least an eight. IMDb. It, they're harsher critics than IMDb, so I think that's about fair. I don't I think, think that's I'll too give, bad. Give it an eight, me. I, I would like up it a little bit because the talent that's on there and the guys, you know, your cinematography, uh, Jeffrey Kimball did Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop Two, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, <laughs> fucking you know? freaky. And then, and then you, then you've got the. Um, Composer, we mentioned the music briefly. It's Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. And that theme, that fucking theme yeah. tune, do, which do, has been do, ripped do, off. Xylophone. It, 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 took, it, took, it took me right back there, Richie. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to tear my ears from my head and then beat you with them. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> No, but that theme, uh, which is called yeah. "You're So Cool," actually is what the theme's called because we looked. I looked it up last night, but it's been new. You'll recognise it because it's yeah. been used over and over and over again since, and and variations on that theme because probably didn't want to pay the bloody rights again, over and over and over again. It's an absolutely great theme. I think with Hans Zimmer in, in this one, though, I feel he's a little bit on the nose. He's still finding his feet a little bit. With his with his soundtrack, I think I can let him go with that. I think the music cues he's cueing the music to change how you feel. I know that's what music does, but I think it's a little bit. It's very similar to his score for Rain Man. Playing notes, I'm playing notes. You know, it's um, it is what it is. It is what it is, and it is, and it complements it. It does. It gives it again this kind of. I don't know, this heavenly feel, this kind of otherworldly feel, this fairy tale gangster film. Batman stuff is a th- it's a it's a theme, it's and sometimes it can overpower. Well, a lot of, I mean, look at it, his interstellar theme. I know the main theme's like a classic, but that boom boom this is before his boom boom kind of phase this is. bollocks, top to bottom, inside out. I can't know. No. <laughs> but we'll get to Interstellar. No, we won't. <laughs> You do it on your fucking own. <laughs> I'll just, I'm going to make you watch shit. it again. We're going to do it. It's shit. Oh, that's no. controversial. Con- controversial. It's not fucking controversial at all. It's bollocks. I- I'd rather talk three hours. I, I would I would do... A fr- I would talk about Inception all day. Inception is amazing. Interstep. Too long. Oh, what? Hey? Is it still on? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I anyway, not. we're not here to talk about Interstellar. <laughs> we're here to talk about True you Romance. started it. I will. <laughs> no, you didn't. You invaded Pol... No, don't we'll move that. <laughs> so I was watching... I was watching... Don't uh, 40... Interstellar! 
was watching, I was watching the uh, Faulty Towers stuff last you, night. You were watching yeah. some flowery twats, weren't you? I was flowery twats, yeah, that came up. Farty yeah. towels, fatty yeah. owls. Fatty owls. <laughs> right. But true romance. We're saying go and buy it, yeah. go and watch it, and love it. And then watch it again. Yes. Because the first time you'll think, Bloody hell. Good film, but wow. And I'd leave it a bit, let it settle, let it just mull over in your brain, and then go and watch it again. Mm. And then you'll see the nuance in the oh, script Christ, and yeah. also in, in the performances that you see on screen, which are just second to none. You just, you just, I can't think of any film really that with this calibre of actors. A smorgasbord. We've not said it yet. A smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. Of talent. High calibre talent on screen. Christ, it is amazing. You know. Even, even Patricia Arquette's um, son makes an appearance. He does. At the end. At the very end. At the very end. That might ruin the ending for people. You might be able to work that out. But, no, no, no. Um, well, we are spoiler-tastic. We are spoiler-tastic. We've, we've kind of stayed away I mean, from some of the stuff in this, I to mean, be honest. I mean, I'm not being funny. It's 31 years old. Is it thick? 1993, yeah. mate. Yeah, do the maths, Ash, yeah. It's 31 year old, so, fucking you know. Fucking hell. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, fuck you. Go and watch it. Stop they fucking li- about. They all live happily ever after. Well... <laughs> They actually don't all live after. Because it's a true romance. It is a true it's romance. It's romantic and shit. Take your partner, go and watch a true romance this Valentine's mm. Day. And Do I it. think on that piece of fried gold, we'll end it right there. I think, hey. yeah. So if you fancy a bit more diabolical film banter, then like and subscribe to the podcast. And we're going to catch you on the next episode. Also, if you like us talking bollocks and rambling on and going off topic and then coming back on topic again, give us a review. And if you need to get something off your chest, send us a question. We might even answer it on the show. And those of you that have reviewed us, thank you very much. It goes a long way to helping the podcast reach other viewers and other people. So thank you very much for those that have reviewed us so far i concur with that sentiment thank you very much you can find us on your local friendly neighborhood podcast app and on all the interwebs just search for the diabolical film show that leaves it for me to say thanks for listening and catch you later and from me till next time tati bye so cool, Richie.